is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey everyone, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 534, recorded Thursday, June the 3rd, 2021. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. It is Thursday, it is not Tuesday. We were going to record on Tuesday, but I had a long day at work, had to drive a lot, and got tired and didn't feel like it, so we rescheduled for today. I hope that's okay with everyone. Uh, It was okay with me. Well... That's good. I, I ran I ran it by you and you were you were cool. So <laughs> that's one. You now have to check with the rest of the internet. I do. So internet, let me know. Actually, please don't. Uh, Jason, how's it going? What's new with your life right now? Uh, it's going pretty good. Absolutely nothing is new, Chris. <laughs> All right, just uh, well, chuck. that's not true. We got a new uh, we got a new connector or a spray nozzle for the hose. Ooh, and uh, it's a, a nice big one. It actually turns on and off like a fire hose, like an honest to goodness fire hose attachment. Wow, it's great. That sounds pretty good. You're gonna start watering your plants and grass and stuff. Yeah, I just thought it would be fantastic. I thought Jasper would really love it. He really loves to play with the hose, but uh, I I like it way more than he does. Oh. <laughs> he likes the new attachment that uh, uh, works like a gun. It looks like a gun. You pull the trigger. It makes water spray out. Mm. He's more interested in that. I'm more interested in the fire hose one. Got it. Okay. <laughs> well, that's pretty exciting. Jason got yeah, a new hose. Yeah, that was hose. my day. Other than working. <laughs> new hose attachments. Hooray! <laughs> wow. That's quite the thing. Uh, we got a new patio umbrella. Nice. Yeah. Need a new one. It's about as equally exciting. That's why I bring it up. Yeah. Uh, Anyhow, thanks everyone. Of course, there is no new episode of Fear of the Walking Dead this week. We will be having a new one on Sunday and we'll talk about that next time. Today on the program, we are going to discuss the new Zack Snyder film that's currently on Netflix called Army of the Dead. Before that, though, I do have a few emails and one call from people about fear. So I want to play those and do a little bit of Walking Dead content here tonight. And the first thing I want to do is just get caught up on the ratings for the last couple of episodes, because for some reason, the ratings for episode 14, Mother, uh, took forever to come out. Um, And I have them now, or was it JD? Was it the one before that? I don't know. I'm confused, but I have them both for JD and for Mother. So episode 13... JD was 1.09 million and episode 14 mother was 0.94 million. So it increased a little for JD up above a million again, and then dropped down lower below the 0.99 or whatever it was for episode 12. So there we are. Stats do that. And it takes a a long time to tabulate this kind of thing because counting's hard. Yes, counting is hard, especially, especially when you, have to when count you get to, to a those really, really high numbers. It's just like, well, oh my god, it's so hard. Did I ever tell you tell you about my uh, counting adventures in the uh, in computer class in high school? I don't know. What should tell me right now? I was so bored in that school talking to uh, my friend Jillian uh, that I decided to instead of doing anything, I decided to uh, type on the number pad on the keyboard. One space, two space, three space, four space, space, five space, and I got all the way up to ten thousand. It took me like a couple of weeks of sitting in class, just having a conversation, typing things out. I learned how to use the keypad really nicely, but I got all the way to ten thousand. the The ironical part is that I was in computer class. Do you know how long it would have taken me to write a program to do that? Like 
three minutes at most. <laughs> at the most, it was <laughs> I had the basic screen open. I was writing it in basic, and uh, I could have written that. At, yeah, it's just a simple loop up to ten thousand, right? Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, that would have been fun. But no, a couple weeks of uh, counting. So counting's hard. I know. I know. Time, time well spent. <laughs> Type to ten thousand. <laughs> That's right. Uh, did you learn anything in that class? Uh, not that I know of. I'm pretty sure the teacher used a random grade calculator, a random grade generator for that because I didn't do anything and I got like an 84 and I don't know why. And other people are also, you know, once they got their grades or everybody's looking around the room going, uh, any, any, any ideas why we got these grades? Nope. <laughs> like, I guess he just made them up. That's funny. You know, that would be an interesting project for a computer programming class. It's like the project for the year is invent a random grade calculator or program one. It wouldn't mean, yeah, it wouldn't, wouldn't even be that hard. But uh, then at the end of the year, you use it to determine your grade. Some of you are lucky. Yeah, but you'd also need it, need it to uh, conform to statistical normality, right? The bell curve. Sure. Right. You can't have everybody get 84% or even go between 83 and 87%. That doesn't make any sense, right? So you need the regular distribution. So it might be a little more advanced than a grade 10 computer class could accomplish. Oh, possibly. Because you'd have to be teaching, you'd have to take the statistics class first. Well, hey, good project, I think. And then you use it at the end of the year. That sounds like a great idea. I'm going to become a computer science professor in for, yeah. for grade and, 10. Instead, teacher students had to pay their taxes or <laughs> calculate their taxes because that's something sorely missing in our educational system. Yeah, it really is. All right. Well, a couple of tangents here already tonight. Let's do some feedback about Fear the Walking Dead, Jason. The first one here I have is a call from Mike. It's a bit long, but Mike has a lot to say on a topic that I think will interest you. So let's hear it. Hey, guys. This is Mike in Massachusetts, long-time listener, uh, infrequent caller, and I wanted to address Jason's concerns regarding the missile launch of the nukes in the submarine. Nuclear submarines uh, carry nuclear missiles that are solid propellant, uh, so there's no uh, liquid uh, components to mix, or you don't need to fuel the rocket. The rocket is fueled and ready to go. Uh, because it needs to be launched at you know a five-minute notice. If uh, they detect missiles are in the air from a foreign country, they want to be able to launch their own missiles within a, a hair's notice. This is kind of a problem with our nuclear deterrent system, but I digress. So in the submarine, uh, based on my brief research, the missiles are ejected from the submarine uh, through a compressed air ejection system or something similar, which then pushes the missile to the surface of the water and there, the solid propellant uh, first stage ignites, and that sends it on its trajectory. So I don't think there'd be any reason why you couldn't launch it from the sub uh, without it being underwater. I don't know how that might handle in terms of the ejection system of the missile, but um, it should be able to launch uh, just fine with the push of a button. It's like a Roman candle. Just light the match, and off it goes. My concerns, however, would be how to calculate where it's going to go. So that's gonna require some computer uh, calculations that is probably all part of the launch system. Uh, and whether the launch system has power is another question. And if the sub's nuclear power plant is still functioning, that seems a little kind of iffy because um, has it melted down or does it have a, like a runaway cutoff switch where it automatically shuts itself down and could they restart a nuclear power plant? And 
the sub most likely has battery backup for all of these systems, but what's the condition of the batteries? Are they still good after all of this time? Uh, it's a little unclear how long the sub has been there. Uh, so maybe the battery system is functioning and they could use that for all the electronics. Uh, and maybe they don't care to calculate where it goes. They just want to launch it. But it doesn't make sense if they want to just hit a certain area around them to just push a button and let it fly wherever it goes. Because the last coordinates it was programmed for is probably somewhere in the middle of uh, Russia. So you're not going to really get the effect you want unless you change the coordinates uh, for where it's been pre-programmed to launch. So that's what I think they have to work on. That's the big hurdle. Uh, but solid propellant, uh, light, the, light the match and watch it go. Thanks a lot for you guys. I love your show. I listen to it every week and uh, I really appreciate your effort. Fantastic. Thank you so much, right. Mike. So there you go, Jason. First of all, solid propellant. The missile, the rocket is ready to go. It actually isn't that hard. Well, I'm not going to say it's not hard, but that's not a that's maybe not a concern that they would have that there would be some sort of fuel in the thing to get it to go somewhere. Yeah, I, I was thinking that solid rocket propellant, uh, solid rocket fuel wouldn't be a good idea, but I guess it's okay. I mean, because uh, you know, once you light the solid rocket fuel, there's nothing on the planet that's going to put that shit out before it completely burns, right? Right. So uh, I figured that. They would be using whatever liquid fuel, and they would have to fuel the uh, the rocket the uh, the missiles before they would fly. But solid rocket makes a lot more sense, even though you know you've you got a you've got a metal tube filled with nuclear weapons. If you're also going to fill it with a bunch of explosives, whatever. And it's also got a, a nuclear power plant, right? So you you know this thing is a dangerous location, no matter where it is. No matter where you are, it's a very, very dangerous location. A lot could go wrong. So fine. Solid rocket fuel, that makes sense now. Uh, as far as programming goes for the locations, I personally, if I were to be programming or architecting a um, launch control system for missiles, I wouldn't pre-program coordinates. I would have a safety in there where it's like, okay, if you press launch right now and it didn't, and you didn't add the location, it would go uh, error, dude, you need a location. I'm not going to just, you know, default is Moscow, right? That would probably be a bad thing. Yes. But whatever. So you, but then again, I would also program it so you wouldn't have to have, uh, you know, a programmer figure out where it needs to go. I'd have pre-programmed destinations. Moscow, Washington, D.C. I don't know why that would be in the, uh, the catalog of options, but whatever. Uh, so maybe they could pick from a, you know, a pre-programmed list of options. Much like an airplane, when you want to go to a particular airport, you program into the airplane which airport you want to go to, which runway, and that kind of thing. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. You don't want to be able to launch it too easy, but you also don't want it to be too hard. Yeah. And that thing, I just that navigation thing in the, in the airplanes... Uh, that's super complex. doesn't make any sense to me. I've seen it a couple of times in some videos and uh, watching various television shows and movies, and I wouldn't be able to go, yeah, fucking New York. You know? <laughs> well, this is why so, pilots are highly trained and... Uh, yeah, very and skilled. Very skilled, that's yeah. right. So pro, well, I guess what I'm saying is that if they're going to launch a nuclear missile and they're going to put in the location of where they want it to go, even if they have a pre-existing catalog of locations, still not going to be easy unless you know what you're doing. No, absolutely right. Absolutely right. But uh, thank you, Mike, for that clarification call on, on some, with some facts about nuclear yeah. weapons and submarines and how they work. Thank you. 
Yeah, that does make a lot, lot more sense than what I was thinking. All right. So next we have Matt in Lincoln, UK, who writes, I just wanted to voice my inability to apply the suspension of disbelief with the current fear storyline of Teddy and his miraculous nuclear submarine. For me, his plan is flawed on so many levels. But the biggest issue I have concerns just how many nukes he is planning to detonate with his big-ass keys. Unless it is a considerable amount spread across the whole country, then surely his current plan will only serve to wipe out the living in the immediate vicinity. Does he think there are no other undesirable groups in other locations outside the blast and radiation radius? So when the radiation levels are presumably safe enough to allow Teddy's group to emerge like moles from their bunker a few years down the road, what is to stop groups from other parts of the country stumbling across their location and the whole aggressor scenario starts all over again? It seems inevitable following recent episodes, which have proven on different occasions that running into long lost acquaintances in a 24.7 million square mile country is extremely easy. Uh, so I think this is an interesting kind of take on it. Like, and, and I honestly don't know that the show has really even thought it through like this. They're like, we're going to blow up a nuke. It's going to take out all this area. It's going to wipe out everything on the surface. And then Teddy's gang is going to reemerge as this new fruitful society. And I don't think there is any indication or any uh, anything to point out that Teddy is blowing up more than one nuke. I mean, he only has access to one nuclear submarine. It's not like there's, they're littered all over the place and he can go blow them all up. So yeah, I think it's just like launch it. He seemed to say launch it. So it presumably has to fly somewhere, but I think it's just blow it up on the spot, destroy the immediate area and then start fresh around there. But you're right. There's the rest of the country. There's the rest of the people living in other parts of it that could just move in eventually. Well, yeah, I wouldn't, uh, like there's, there's a lot of missiles on a singular, singular, single, singular, a single, geez, that was a rough way around there. <laughs> uh, on one nuclear submarine, there's a lot of missiles. Let's say there's 16 missiles or 24 missiles. Each missile would have multiple warheads. So it's not, an, it's not just one missile, one warhead. It's one missile and three warheads or five warheads or whatever it is, but there's multiple warheads on those missiles. The idea being that you get the missile, uh, you know, to where you want it to go across the continent, whatever. Uh, and then when it gets to that location, the warheads all separate and each one goes to a nearby location where it det detonates. Right. So you could probably disperse if done properly, 24 missiles with three warheads each, uh, you know, being close to 75 nuclear blasts in a single concentrated area or even spread out over uh, a couple of hundred square miles uh, or a thousand square miles is still going to be a significant fucking exclusion zone yeah. for all, all life. Is that true? There's, there's like that many missiles on a single sub? Like it can launch a whole bunch of nukes in all different directions, like under yeah, normal so. circumstances? You know, from what I've seen on TV, they have multiple missiles and I know that they have, uh, or I'm pretty sure if television is right again, that each one has multiple warheads. Huh. I've, I've never really thought about the idea that a sub, and maybe this is just stupid, but I've never thought about the idea that a sub would be able to launch that many. I've always sort of thought one sub, one missile. 
<laughs> I don't know no, why. No, no, it's definitely more than one missile. But it's also it depends on the package that's been uh, uh, put in the boat, right? So it's yeah. uh, you might have a couple of nuclear missiles. You might have a couple of tomahawks with conventional warheads. You mm. might have, uh, you know, even submarines have... Uh, you know, those tubes that are ready to launch uh, goddamn Navy SEALs with their boats and shit so wow. that they can, uh, you know, it's, they're used as escape trunks to get, uh, to get them out of the boat so that they can sneak them into the areas. And, and so, so sorry. No, not that. And so there it is. Ah, so I was going to ask, so the difference between a, a missile, a nuclear missile, let's say launched from a submarine versus one launched from one of those launch silos in the ground is that just yeah. size and and distance it, they can travel it's distance okay. it's uh you know the icbms are those big missiles that can go from go to anywhere on the planet essentially nuclear submarine the idea is to park off the shore of wherever uh-huh. and uh, be able to launch those things even if the you know if the range is half a continent instead of three continents yeah uh you're you're doing all right all right. So I guess Teddy has access to plenty of missiles, so he could fire them all over the place if he wants to, assuming that he can get past all of the navigational issues and so on, or he can just blow them up there. And that's still going to be a pretty large explosion right then and there. Yeah. You okay. probably would have an easier time, time uh, melting down the nuclear reactor, right? That's probably pretty easy to do. Because you go in there and you look at the nuclear reactor controls. And I personally, from watching Chernobyl, Right? What do you do to, if you want a, a reactor to race out of control? You lift all the control rods out of the, the reaction chamber uh-huh. and, you know, shit goes haywire and the whole thing melts down and, uh, you know, may not be like as grandiose as a nuclear explosion from a missile, but, uh, damn, it's fuck up the area pretty good. Jeez. God, Chernobyl was so good. I kind of want to watch it again. Even though it's- I've seen it three times so far. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> sort of, it. sort of depressing, but- Man, what a good show. Highly recommended. Also, yeah, I watched that and I was so uh, amazed by it that I went and uh, bought like a number of books on Chernobyl and, uh, you know, trying to figure out how to friggin' even on this show, I was talking about how to, how reactors work and how do you, uh, uh, how do you know whether water has a positive void coefficient or a negative void coefficient and, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you know which one it's going to be for a particular reactor? Anyway. Yeah. Well, just before we do the last email here, um, some of my favorite stuff from the Chernobyl show was the things in the courtroom. And when, uh, oh yeah, the one guy, um, what's his name? He, he's explaining how it all worked and using that chart and the diagrams and everything. Oh my God. I love that. I just, it was so fascinating to watch them stand there and explain what happened in terms that are easily understandable by like the, the lay people, the people who aren't nuclear scientists, basically, you know, it was amazing. There's so much to love about that show. Yeah. Like, you know, the fact that they let everybody have their natural accents instead of making them all have Russian accents, which is stupid because you might as well make them all speak Russian because Russians don't speak English with a Russian accent. They speak Russian. Right. right. So yes. why, you know, bother with all that bullshit? Just let them talk. Sure. Right? Just, just let them talk. And uh, yeah, I love that, that, that show so much. It was so good. All right. One more email here. Troy in Wisconsin brings up an idea that kind of had crossed my mind when I saw the episode, but I didn't bring it up. And Troy says, in regards to Alicia rebuilding the world, I had a different interpretation. I could be very wrong, 
but I took this as Alicia being used to repopulate the world. Yeah, that sounds rotten, but that's what came to mind for me. Did that, did that occur to you, Jason, that she was going to no. be there to, you know, make babies and help repopulate this society? No, no, and I'll tell you why. Because he wasn't talking to her. He was, wasn't trying to choose her based on, the, on her gender alone and her ability to have babies. Mm -hmm. It was uh, her leadership skills. It was her personality. It was all of these things. So, uh, I, no, it didn't occur to me that he was just looking for a breeder. Uh, he wanted someone to lead this group. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you. I feel like the having children aspect or angle would be kind of the lazy way, the lazy thing to do here, the lazy writing, the thing that's been done before. It's like find the young fertile woman who, who can help repopulate our society that we're trying to rebuild. I feel like that's been done. I don't know if recruiting her for, like you said, her personality or leadership skills is all that much more unique, but it didn't feel kind of silly and cliche in the same way that the, the baby thing would have. Yeah. In great. my opinion, anyways. So, uh, thanks Troy for that, but, uh, I don't think that's what they're getting at. Uh, all right. That's it for feedback about Fear of the Walking Dead. Let's move on into our discussion of Army of the Dead. And Jason, I'm going to start with the call here from Daniel in Worcestershire, England. Hi guys, uh, Army of the Dead. I'm going to jump on board because I seem to be missing the deadline for your post. Um, well, I, the best thing I can say about Army of the Dead is it's two and a half hours long and it didn't feel like it. It ain't the greatest movie, but it ain't the worst. And two and a half hours and it seemed a bit of fun. Some things ridiculous, some things okay, but it wasn't pretend to be anything else, was it? So it's a thumbs up for me, but only just. Okay, thanks, Daniel. So he said it's two and a half hours long, but it didn't feel like it. Yep. I like that it started out with the best thing I can say about the Army of the Dead. It's just like, whoa, okay, this is setting a tone. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the problem. My reaction was very, very different because this movie was two and a half hours long and holy crap, did it feel like it. I thought this was pretty terrible and the length was a big part of it. This movie went on forever and nothing happened. And well, and nothing surprising happened. Everything linear happened, right? You got to put together a team. Okay, great. Let's go put together a team. Ask this person. Sure, I'm in. Ask this person. Yes, I'm in. Ask this person. Yes, I'm in. And at the end of it, everybody's in. Well, like, there was, there was one a little bit of conflict. Something interesting. Didn't one guy say, no, I'm not doing that? Like somebody declined. There was one dude. Yeah, after they showed up the, at the obligatory oh, uh, yeah. uh, warehouse scenes, like what? You want to kill zombies? Screw that. Yeah, that's right. He what decided. What think was going to happen, dickhead? <laughs> Anyways, listen, I just wanted to start with that because I appreciate your call, Daniel. Thank you so much for that. Um, but it just struck me that I had such a different reaction. Uh, I, 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 this movie couldn't hold my attention, to be honest with you. Like I did movie, <laughs> there's three different movies here. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll get into that. But just <laughs> as a whole, I had trouble paying attention to this. I found, I found it like pretty, pretty boring and slow at times. And I didn't think the action was all that inspired. 
Uh, I didn't think the storyline was interesting. And in fact, in many ways, it was just silly and confusing. And the movie was just so overly long. Like maybe if you're going to do this kind of film, maybe if this was a tight 90 minutes, maybe even less, oh. an hour, an hour and 20, like, yeah. like I could handle it. But two and a half hours, it, it was not good. And I, I can't find very much redeeming about Army of the Dead, I'm afraid. The opening credits. Opening credits. I made exactly <laughs> the same note because I did think the opening scene was good. But this is Zack Snyder, right? Well, Zack Snyder, Snyder knows how to do opening credits. He knows how to do like montages to music. The guy is probably a really, really fantastic music video director, but not the best feature film director. And I'm not saying I, I haven't enjoyed some of the stuff he's done. Like if I look back, his uh, Dawn of the Dead remake is probably the best movie he's ever made. It's, it's quite good, but he didn't write it. He just directed it. It was written by James Gunn, who's a really good writer. Yes. Um, I may be in the minority here, but I'm a big fan of Watchmen. Uh, yep. But even the best parts of Watchmen are the opening credits and some of the oh, yeah. like the They're genius. Yeah, genius. Like he's he's actually very very good at telling a story through slow motion and music. Right. That's <laughs> yeah. kind of Zack Snyder's thing. But when you give him a whole movie that he has to write and then film. And he was the director Bruce. of photography on this. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what else he did, but he's, suff I think it's suffered. This is suffering from George Lucasism, <laughs> right? Because if you, you know, George Lucas is fine as long as he's tempered by somebody else. Right. Zack Snyder did everything. So he, I think he needs to be mixed in with the, you know, somebody else to try and, you know, he needs to, he needs limits. <laughs> yes, he did. He does. Or he needs help. Like he needs, he needs to surround himself with people that are good at particular jobs and then stick to what, what he's good at. And unfortunately, I think things got a little out of hand here with Zach and he did not do that. So we ended up with Army of the Dead. I, I thought you said it suffers from George Lucas jism. I'm like, ooh, no. that's that's not the same thing. <laughs> that's not that's not the same thing, and no. also not good. No. Uh, <laughs> all right. So that. somebody on the weekend said to me that this movie is kind of like Ocean's Eleven with zombies. No, it isn't. It suffers from. It wants to be like Ocean's Eleven with zombies, but it is not Ocean's Eleven with zombies. Uh, no, it's not. But it tries to be like a casino heist movie. So I can yep. see the Ocean's Eleven there, a, a heist film. It tries to be a zombie film. Uh -huh. It tries to be sort of like a get in and out rescue mission kind of movie. There's some of that too. Yep. The problem is it's not a good, any of these things. It's not a good casino heist. It's not a good rescue mission. It's not a good zombie film. And um, that's kind of a bummer. And it just, none of them work. Well, we have to wait for the next one, right? Because there's so much here that is pointing to, uh, you know, the universe that they've, uh, that he's set up. Sorry, when I say they, I mean Zack Snyder. Right. Uh, so, you know, the, uh, you know, the royal they, because he's multiple people in this movie. Uh -huh. You know, okay, so first of all, you caught the alien spaceships, right? You saw those in the opening sequence? Yes, I did. They zoom away in the sky, two points they, of light, right? Yeah. Okay. And yes, and then you saw the robot zombie. 
that you know, got shot. You know what? Eyes I the sparking head. Uh, I sort of missed that during the film, but uh, it was mentioned to me by again the, this person on the weekend. So um, I was like, "Robot? What? There was a robot there?" And I didn't go back to look for it because I didn't want to. Well, I thought maybe at first because there was blue glowing eyes, right? Yeah. When uh, they were defending themselves at the uh, at the vault, and so the one zombie came around the corner and it had blue glowing eyes. And I, when I first saw it, I thought it was a correlation to the uh, the blue glowing zombie fetus that the that the uh, the king dude pulled out of his queen, uh, which you didn't know after- about yet, though, right? That came at the end. It came near the end. So, but, you know, I was like blue glowing eyes and then I saw the blue, you know, fetus and I'm thinking, okay, there's some kind of correlation there. Uh, but then I, when I watched that the second time, uh, when they, sh- when they shot the, uh, the blue glowing eyed zombies, his head sparked when he died. Like okay. It was definite sparks. Yep. So it was a robot. <laughs> so, uh, there's something going on there too. Right. And then we have the, uh, the zombie escape at the end. So we know that uh, Mexico city is, uh, you know, going to be infected any second now. Right. Uh, sorry. We're spoiling the shit out of this, right? Oh, we always do. Of course. Yes. Too late. But that guy did not get bit. I watched that scene a couple of times. I watched it the first time and, and, and then I saw the, the bite. I'm like, did he get bit? I'm not sure he did. You know, at least in the walking dead, they hide it. Mm-hmm. Right, they kind of uh, they mixed it in and hit it, but in this that scene where the uh, the alpha zombie is going to bite his arm specifically, the safe cracking dude whacks him in the head before the teeth make contact, and it's very very obvious. Then he shoves him into the vault, and then the vault door closed. There is no way he was bitten by a zombie. At least no in, way. At least in that moment. But if that's that's where they were trying to tease that he was, I guess. That was the only zombie that came anywhere near him. All right. (laughs) Well, this is what I mean. Like, it's just, it's big sort of, they try to go for like big flashy or maybe even like big flashy action and then like twists like that for the sake of it and for no other reason. And it's like, he's bit at the end. Uh, It doesn't matter if... If, if we see that earlier, or even if we see indications that it didn't happen, he's bit at the end. That's, that's all we care about, you know? Yeah, because the script said so. Right. right? And Zack Snyder wanted to put it in the film. There's no actual meaning behind it, or there's meaning behind it, but there's no actual, uh, you know, logical correlation behind it. But he wanted it in the film, so it showed up in the film. <gasps> Big surprise, he got bit. He was a zombie <laughs> all along. Yeah, I think you could say things... I think you could say that about a lot of things in this movie. You know, I want to have a zombie tiger in this film. Okay, we'll put it in. Why not? I want to have a a zombie fetus. I want to have a whole like comic relief sequence where there's a bunch of booby traps leading up to the, to the vault. And we're just going to walk zombies through it and see what happens to them. Like it's none of it felt throwing a dead weight on that pressure plate. Wouldn't have done it. Right. They needed a zombie to walk onto the pressure plate. Yes. Now, let me ask you a question about the zombie that they, they convinced to walk on the pressure plate. They heated up a, a zombie hand in a microwave in uh-huh. order to get him enticed to, uh, to move forward. Yep. Uh, how hot do you think it is outside? How many hot zombies do you think are outside? Uh, <laughs> and the zombies, are they eating each other because they like hot zombie flesh? 
I, but listen to how ridiculous that question is. Or what you said, they heated up a severed zombie hand in the microwave and threw it down the hall so the zombie would go after it. Yeah. Like, is that not the dumbest thing you've ever said on this podcast? Well, yeah, no. to get a zombie to, to step on a pressure plate because dead weight wouldn't have done it. It has to be a... Yeah. And the owner of the casino gets you to go and get money out of his vault, doesn't give you the goddamn code and how to turn off the pressure plates okay. and what the friggin' traps were in the first place. Okay, well, Why I, you trap your vault? I, I, don't I don't think know. it's his vault, technically. I think that guy... Uh, who sent them in was just saying there is a vault full of money down there and I want it. Now that wasn't his ultimate goal in the end, but that's what he told them. I don't think it was his vault. So I don't think he could have just said, here's the combo, you know, watch out for this stuff. You know, here's the elevator code, whatever. I'm pretty uh, sure it's his vault. Oh really? They had, they had the, uh, Garrett Dillahunt had, uh, passcodes. Like he had, uh, key cards to get into everywhere, but not the vault. Okay, well, then I don't know. Then that's just one more thing that doesn't make sense. I didn't think it was his vault. I think he was just getting, wanted the money. But he didn't really want the money, right? If I'm not mistaken, no. please clarify, what he actually wanted was Garrett Dillahunt to get the sample of the zombie out, and then he was going to bring out her head. That's right. Because so the because heist is not necessary. That's correct. Because they were going to use that zombie to create more of them? Um, yeah, have your own zombie army and or sell it for a lot more than $400 million. Yeah, or whatever it was. Okay. Okay, so I'm glad I picked up on that because I felt a little unsure at the end. I have seven questions about that. Okay. <laughs> so first of all, if all you need is a head, why the fuck was the army con uh, transporting an entire zombie king, uh, you know, body and all? Just cut his head off. Take the head. Sure. You know, there's a breach on the road. Uh, it's just a zombie head. It's just a head. So What's he going to do? It's just a head. He's going to crawl along, but his lips, you just pick <laughs> him up, right? He's not really a whole lot of a threat at that point. So uh, you didn't need you didn't need to do that. Second of all, if you're going to be transporting an alien zombie, which I assume it's an alien zombie because they're coming from Area 51 and uh, there's two flying saucers coming also out of that Area 51 as soon as they leave. Yep. Uh, so if you're going to be transporting an alien zombie, uh, have some cover, you know, air, air, you know, uh, an airplane or a helicopter somewhere that is, you're able to call and you, you don't say, oh, I have a problem. It's like, no, you have a goddamn plan for when shit goes down and you're in trouble and you've crashed or somebody's attacking you, you say, you know, condition 47 and then the helicopters swoop in and fucking nuke the whole area. <laughs> right? Okay. <You> know? <laughs> sure. So that's, that's the first thing. That's not really a question. I mean, that, the whole uh, thing, right. Okay. So I feel like they did have a certain amount of security in place and, and a plan for transporting that King zombie, but the whole thing got run off the road because a guy was getting a BJ as they drove the other way down the street. Yeah. And like, you, and come on. <laughs> it's the known unknowns and the unknown unknowns. You're transporting a... Uh, anything of super military value down the road, be it nuclear weapons or some kind of alien zombie, right? You're traveling down the road. You have some kind of contingency plan, right? You have, uh, you know, you have helicopters flying out of earshot and right. out of sight so that they can come swooping in with 47 more troops and heavy weapons if something's happening. Yeah, but do you, you plan have, for roadhead? Is, is what I'm asking. Well, it doesn't matter. You plan for 
something happened. Right. Uh, it could be an IED. It could be an ambush. It could be uh, blowing a tire. It could be somebody sure. in the convoy turning and shooting somebody else in the convoy in the head because they want to take the zombie and make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Right. So you just have these contingencies within contingencies, backup plans. You don't just go, okay, fine, go. Let me know when you get there. <laughs> sure. Call if you have any problems, you, you know, call, call somebody and, uh, you know, try to describe the situation yeah. in a lot of detail. Right. <laughs> that's the first problem. <laughs> Was that the first or the so second? I don't know. I've that's lost the track. first one. You transport just ahead. Okay. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah, second one is you have a backup plan. So if t- uh, the, the guy who owned the casino, and I'm pretty sure he did own the casino, if he wants a head, why dress it up in a casino heist because what happened was Garrett Dillahunt and the uh, the coyote that lets people into uh, Las Vegas were the only two people that were needed for this situation right absolutely because yeah. they, they could have just he showed up at the place here's a hundred thousand dollars take me in she says I need another guy you know juice is right there and you take him and sorry juice uh, he was in uh, Sons of Anarchy, and his character's name was Juice. So I think of him as Juice, and I always will. Which guy so was that? Which the the guard at the uh, at the camp that uh, had the that oh. ended up being zip tied. Oh then, yeah, yeah. So that guy. Uh, so she says, "I need another guy." So the three of them go in. She shoots the one guy. The zombie queen comes. He loads up his undermounted grenade launcher with his uh, bolo or net gun or whatever the hell it is, shoots her. It's the same situation. Exactly the same thing happens without any heist. You don't need a team. You don't need a, you know, an excuse. You don't need a whole bunch of people. You just have him, the person that he wanted to take him in. Mm-hmm. And I guess she knew how to do it by getting uh, somebody to trade. So you right. don't need the heist. Second of all, if you do need a heist, for some reason, yeah, he goes all the way to, uh, to the casino, and then he says, "We're gonna do Overwatch, or we're gonna do you know, circle about and see what's going on." Goes back to where they were before. Then they take the zombie head, and instead of leaving, they go back to the casino to wait for everybody else, and then. Once they're all done and the helicopter's ready to go and they have the money, he betrays them for no reason at all. What was the downside to everybody getting in the helicopter and leaving? Yeah, there, it doesn't make any sense. First of all, they don't even need to be there for the heist. And, but since they are, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Why did Garrett Dillahunt? Go off on his own. I mean, maybe so he could get eaten by the tiger, which was actually one of my favorite scenes of the movie. Uh, yeah. But but it doesn't make any sense. Why not just go up to the roof and get on the helicopter and fly away, home sweet home? Yeah, he you know he betrayed the uh, uh, the coyote girl, coyote lady, mm-hmm. uh, and then he was said he was going to go up and shoot the helicopter pilot so that he could fly out of there. Yeah. Why you have a helicopter pilot? Is it to when you use the helicopter pilot? I mean, is it to remove any trace of any of this happening? Like, so none of them get out alive and they can't talk about it or something like that? Shoot her when they land. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I, 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 speaking of Tig Nataro, who played the helicopter oh. pilot, I liked 
that character actually. I, I want Tignataro to be in everything. I've, if they can substitute her in this movie instead of whoever the original actor was, uh, I think they should do that in pretty much every movie. Yeah, isn't that cool? She wasn't cast and they had to replace the original actor and they, so they digitally added her to every scene. I read that she was never on set together with Dave Batista. They'd never met. I yeah. read that too or saw that in a video. They had never met. They have never met in person. I don't think, had I not known that, I don't think I would have been able to tell, to be honest with you. I, I think. did not know that until after my first viewing and I was blown away. Oh, cool. Well, that's cool. Well, I mean, it, she was a bright spot in this film, I suppose. I mean, nothing really, you know, everything was yada yada over, you know, she gets to that helicopter and like, it's a piece of junk and it's black smoke is coming out of it. And, you know, she's like, oh, geez, I got to fix this. And then cut to some other stuff. And when we come back, helicopter's good to go. You know, I, I wish there was some kind of tension created out of the fact that the helicopter was in such rough shape and she has somehow had to yeah. fix it, but no, they just skim over that. Yes, absolutely. I agree with you. Uh, every word Tignataro said was genius. Like it was just, it was brilliant. Her entire performance I thought was amazing. And that's why I want her substituted in, into every movie. Going back, like I would like to see her in goddamn Star Wars, right? <laughs> sure. Let's get rid of Chewbacca and put in Tignataro. That's the kind mm. of thing I want. <laughs> Crazy. Crazy ideas you got there. I don't know how they're going to, you know, put in, uh, you know, Tignataro walking around and, and Princess Leia talking to her about, a, you know, saying, get this walking carpet away from me. I mean, she could look confused. <laughs> right? It's like, why would Princess Leia say that? That's yeah. weird. That is very strange. Uh, yeah, I'm into that. Uh, all right. What else? Um, I want to go back to the idea that this was supposed to be a heist movie, at least part of it, because I started thinking about the formula for a heist movie, and the formula that works is you gather the team, yep. and that's, that's fun. You lay out the whole plan. There is a sequence where the team gets together and lays out the heist plan. That's like act two. And yep. then act three is executing the plan. And you basically see what they set up in the first part or the second part there. Mm -hmm. uh, but this film kind of does that. We get the team together, but it's not exciting. They don't really lay out a plan in my opinion, but they at least talk about it a little bit. Yep. And even if they did lay out a plan, what ha actually happens doesn't feel like it really follows that plan in any meaningful way. I feel like we skip over a bunch of stuff. We stick with other things far too long. And what I'm trying to say is the formula for a heist movie that is tried and tested and proven and works and we know is fun to watch, they, they kind of just throw out the window here, which is and a big reason for me why that element of the movie doesn't work. Yeah, but it's it's uh, you know it's that it's that trope where if you lay out the plan, uh, then it doesn't go to plan. If you don't lay out the plan, then it goes to plan. And then you have Ocean's Eleven where they lay out the plan and it doesn't go to plan, but that's the plan all along, <laughs> and it works. Good <laughs> twist, you know. Good idea. Exactly. But, but the, the things they do show you are important and relevant, and you kind of do see the plan. Uh, and then whatever becomes the plan all along is, is great. You know, here yeah. it's like they enter the quarantine zone. They stand around for a while while the zombie queen does her little dance and whatnot. And then like, next thing you know, they're inside and they're going through that 
section of sleeping zombies or whatever the hell they were. Next yeah. thing you know, they're at the safe and I'm just like, this was the plan to just like go from point A to point B and see little yeah. bits of it as they move around. That was, that was the plan that they laid out. Go to the casino. Yep. Rob the casino. I'm not telling you the codes <laughs> or what the secret traps are. Yeah. Uh, then go get in the helicopter that's on the roof and fly out. That was the plan. That was the plan. I guess they, in that respect, they executed it. Um, so the yeah. zombie tiger. Zombie tiger. Uh, it shows up and then just leaves. Uh-huh. Uh, why? Why Why wasn't there like some kind of uh, danger maybe? Instead of everybody going, oh, the zombie tiger. Okay, good. It just left. Yeah. Like it was kind of boring. I felt like that in a lot of cases though on this film. Zombie tiger shows up and then there's nothing. Now it does come back later and eats Garrett Hunt's head. And like Which I was said, cool. I agree. I liked that. It, there were other moments like that. I that that scene that I just talked mentioned where they they first get in there and like the zombie queen comes out and they sacrifice that dude, uh, the the security guard. Some of that just felt weird to me too. Like they they introduce her and she doesn't really do anything. But I guess the point of that was to give us a little bit of the uh, the idea of the the what these zombies were like. Because they were different than normal they were, zombies. Yeah. They have certain amount of, I don't know if I want to say intelligence, but they communicate with each other. They have a hierarchy. They have a king, a queen. They have, you know, lower downs, like more like grunts or whatever. Robots. Robots. Yeah. <laughs> Aliens. <laughs> Aliens. Um, so I guess they were trying to get that across to us a bit, but I don't know. It seemed... The whole thing seemed odd to me. You show these things and then nothing really comes of it. Most of the time, not even later. Yeah. And, you know, you're going into Vegas, uh, you know, expecting hordes of zombies. And then you get there and they're all like dry husks. And, and then, and then the, uh, the coyote says, you should see when it rains and they all come alive for a couple of hours. Oh, that's going to be exciting. Yeah. <laughs> In another movie, maybe? <laughs> Next time. Next time. We didn't have time to shoot the rain scene. It was too much water, you know? <laughs> Why mention it? <laughs> you know? Uh, it was the, frustrating. The king can, things like, he can ride a horse. That's really fast. Kind of He fun. was on the roof uh, with the helicopter. Yeah. And then they flew the helicopter to the other roof, and he was there too. Right. Because he went down, I assume in the elevator, and because he knows how to use elevators. Uh-huh. And then he got on his horse, and he rode all the way across town, and they got up to the roof of that place <laughs> just in time for the helicopter to arrive. Was it a zombie Man, horse? He, Must have been, right? I assume so. I don't think a regular horse would let a zombie ride. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a logical thing. Yeah, that's that the sense. problem. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I assume if it was a zombie tiger, it was a zombie horse. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. And maybe zombie horses are just extra fast, extra speedy. Well, I mean, I was thinking it's like shadow facts, right? You know, Uh, why would there be a a tiger in Vegas is one thing, right? You expect tigers to be in Vegas. Well, we've all seen uh, uh, The Hangover, right? uh Mike Tyson has a tiger, uh you know, you you have a tiger in Vegas. It was a Siegfried and Roy tiger, they said in this movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. They named it, it was Tinkerbell or whatever the tiger's name was. I think it was a fictional Siegfried and Roy tiger. There you go. But the horse, you know, um, I'm not sure I know of why a horse would be in Vegas. Well, come on. There's, there's probably horse shows and stuff like that there. There's everything in Vegas, man. I've only been there once, but 
There's everything they, in Vegas. They had everything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So and I would assume it would be a zombie horse. Uh, totally. Totally. I think. Um, you know, okay. So the timeline of this is dumb. I think, uh, you know, at some point they're in the safe and at some point somebody says we have nine minutes, I think, to get out of here. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cause they had, uh, it was John Batista. Yeah. He was, uh, saying we have to go get my daughter. She's at this particular casino. Uh, how long do we have? Tignotero says, he says nine minutes. Okay. That's plenty of time. Did you say John? It's Dave Batista. Dave Batista. Whatever. Yeah. 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 Uh, yes. Nine minutes. So they, they do all that. And nine minutes, but even before that, it's like they, they unlock the safe and they decide they have, uh, or it's going to take 30 minutes to unlock the safe. He says, um, yep. And then when they're, and they, how many, and I think they said they have 90 minutes in total. They had 40 or yeah, they had, uh, yeah, it was 90 minutes or something like something that. Like so they that. had a half an hour and then 40 minutes to do the rest of it. 40 minutes to do the rest of it. And that. And I'm thinking to myself, that includes, that's not just get to the helicopter, that includes flying far enough away so that the nuclear weapon, which we haven't even talked about, speaking of nukes, uh, everything we watch has nukes lately, but oh, yeah. enough time to get far enough away so that the nuke goes off and destroys the place. And you're far enough away that you're not instantly vaporized. Like you need to fly a bit, you know, yeah. to get there. I, I assumed that it was a, you know, a small tactical nuke that, uh, it wasn't like a big city buster kind of thing. Well, like it wasn't, I was just thinking it was like a teeny tiny nuke, just little teeny tiny thing. We're going to blow this little place up. I don't know. Vegas isn't that small. And if you're going to destroy a city because it's infested with zombies, I mean, do it right. Don't, don't use the small nukes. Use the big nukes. Yes. So, okay. And if I... Did I hear this right, or did I see this right? There's a refugee camp right outside the, uh, you know, the 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 fence of uh, of Vegas, which is made up of containers, right? Yes. So there's a refugee camp there, and in order to get out of that refugee camp, you have to go into Vegas, crack open a, a slot machine, get some cash, because like they do that anymore. Uh, have you been to a casino in the last ten years? Yes. Yes, I have. <laughs> they, don't take, they don't take cash. Uh, no, do they? no. They, they don't. <laughs> they take tokens. You go and buy, you go and buy a slip of paper, and you put the slip of paper in, and it reads it, and goes, "Yeah, you have twelve bucks." And at the end, it's like, if you won anything, it's like cash out, and it gets fifteen dollars on, on a slip of paper. Mm-hmm. So anyway, go and crack open a slot machine so that you can bribe the guard so that you can leave. But but is that but, what was going on? There, like I'm not even sure. Yes, that's what was going on. That's what the, the the woman and her two daughters, she went in to get enough money so she could buy her way out of this refugee camp. Because the government's not going to move anybody from right next to the city that's about to be fucking nuked. This, none of this makes any <laughs> sense at all. See, I, I didn't really understand why that woman wanted to go in, really. I, I was like, just get on the bus and leave. Like, leave with everyone. They're taking you away. What the hell is happening here? But she went to get cash from yeah, I somewhere. I do recall that, but I, I thought maybe it was just another like, you know, money is still meaningful in this in this situation, and we need it. I guess the zombies were only in Vegas, so the rest of the world's continuing. But yeah, I, it it seems so ridiculous, <laughs> so ridiculous. But I just want to go back a minute to the to the timeline where they have the thirty minutes, and then yeah. there's forty minutes to get out. And like, after giving us this information, 
we get scenes of them like playing with the money, you know, like making it rain with all the cash, taking up uh-huh. time. Um, we stop to have this heartfelt conversation between Scott and Maria. Scott was Dave Bautista's character and Maria was the woman uh, played by Ana de la Reguera. Cool. Um, you know, this heartfelt conversation of right before she dies, of course, it's like, it's like that thing the walking dead does sometimes where you have a whole episode that kind of focuses on one character and then they die at the end. They, they bring yeah. them to the forefront and then that's it. Well, they have this moment there where we're supposed to, I guess, supposed to care about them. And then she gets her head turned all the way around and she's dead. Uh, yeah. which made me laugh more than anything, to be honest. It was pretty funny. It was funny. I mean, like she, her head went all the way around and then her spine stuck out of her shoulder like a joke. Yeah. It, it was funny. But I'm just saying, like, all this was happening when they have 40 minutes to get to a helicopter and fly away from a city that is about to be nuked. I'm like, you know, maybe some urgency, people. You can have this conversation when you're on the helicopter, not right now. Yes. And I don't... They didn't have to move the nuke up. They didn't have to do that. They could have had the, the heist take longer, right? And that yeah. would then that would have given them a night you know, spend the night in the casino with all the zombies around and, uh, you know, have a situation then that, uh, anything could have happened in that whole night. So you could have delayed things and then, or the helicopter didn't work. So you had to, you know, uh, spend the night or go somewhere else to get a part for the helicopter because they needed to get the cash out. Anything. Because carrying $400 million, which is from what I could tell from inside the vault is like three or four skids of money. It looked like a lot. Yeah. Fitting that in the helicopter would have been tough with what, nine people? How many people were there? (laughs) I don't even think the people would have fit on the helicopter, let alone the people and the money. No. Even if they could get all that money up there, like that feels like it would take quite a while. Yeah. Right? So maybe that's why, okay, this is not going to make any sense, but maybe that was the motivation for Garrett Dillahunt to hang out because he needed the helicopter to get out of there because going back the way they came was not going to work for some reason. Uh, maybe they could have shut down that uh, entrance, like have a reason for that entrance to no longer work. Like yeah. it fucking rained and there's too many zombies. That could have made <laughs> a lot of sense. Yeah, sure. They even <laughs> mentioned it, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, the <sighs> clearly this movie... I, neither of us thought was great. Um, it's a hot mess. It's It's a a hot mess. It's a huge hot mess. Um, I found it way, way, way too long. I think some of this would have been okay if they'd, if they'd reworked the story a bit, made the movie an hour shorter and probably amped up some of the, some of the action scenes a little bit. Uh, but that's a lot. That's a lot of changes for, for a movie. So pretty ill-conceived from the beginning, in my opinion. Is there anything about this that you really, really liked or think that worked really well, other than the Garrett Dillahunt tiger scene? Uh, well, there was there's three things. There's uh, uh, Tignataro. Oh, right. We uh, talked about that. Uh, Garrett Dillahunt tiger scene, the opening credits, uh, and you have to give it credit to have zombie boobs? Oh, there were Maybe some We haven't zombie seen boobs. zombie boobs for a long time. <laughs> no, we haven't. That's true. That so, is true. Maybe. And, oh, and Elvis, uh, at the beginning <laughs> during the song, Viva La- Las Vegas, Viva, watch out Elvis. And then Elvis gets smacked. Uh, <laughs> that was a pretty good, that was the opening sequence though. So yeah. uh, I have to give it double credit there. Once again, Zack Snyder kind of doing what he does well and 
you know, it works. The only other bit I wanted to mention that I, I don't know if I liked it, but I was momentarily surprised is when they get to the safe and they find bodies of a previous team there yeah, indicating that they've, that this guy has sent other teams in to, to do this, I guess. The one guy starts talking about maybe this is a weird like time loop, alternate dimension, sci-fi thing. And he's saying that I'm like, oh my God. I think they might actually be doing that. Like maybe that's what this movie is. And I kind of expected it to be true because I was sort of ready for anything at that point, I guess. And I thought, oh my God, oh my God, this, maybe this movie's going to get awesome all of a sudden. And then no, he just brings it up. It's like, nope. And that's not it. <laughs> they move on. No, that's not it. <laughs> so that at least gave me a moment of hope, but pulled yeah. the rug out from under me too. Well, there you go. Uh, Army of the Dead. I do have some emails from listeners here about it, Jason, and I want to read them now, if that's okay. Surely. This one is from Michael in Brooklyn, New York. Michael says, I enjoyed the first half of the film until it suddenly hit me that the movie was beat for beat following the plot of Aliens. Here's some examples. Okay. The protagonist barely made it out alive only to be pulled back in by a corporate entity by, by a corporate entity, uh, creeping around a hive of sleeping monsters. Uh, the badass Latina kicking ass and sacrificing herself for the group. A corporate stooge betrays the group, leaving them to die during a desperate battle scene in order to sneak a sample of the monster back to the corporation's weapons division. The protagonist escapes only to return to the hive to rescue the daughter figure. After escaping, Queen, I mean King Alpha Zombie in an elevator, they discover their ride home has abandoned them, but it's only for a moment as it returns in the nick of time before a nuclear bomb detonates. There is more, but honestly, this was exhausting to type. I was enjoying it, but when I realized what was happening, it kind of ruined it for me. So I haven't seen Aliens in a long time. I didn't pick up on any of this, but after receiving... But yeah, go ahead. After receiving Michael's email, I did a little Googling and he's not the only person to see similarities between this movie and Aliens. So I think it's a thing. So Zack Snyder might have watched Aliens and been like, you know, I could do that in Vegas with zombies. <laughs> I could do that. <laughs> so uh, a couple things. One is uh, we have the one character in Aliens. Uh, damn it, I forget. Bill Paxton uh, saying, oh, fucking man, we just nuked the site from orbit. It's like, well, they did that. So that's fine. Uh-huh. Uh, but we didn't have anybody saying that. Uh, so that was pretty good. Yeah. We didn't have a robot queen battle, which I would have liked to have seen. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, getting in some kind of load lifter. Uh, that would have been cool. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I can see it. It's basically aliens. Uh, cool. I kind of I kind of want to go back and watch aliens, maybe all of them again, because I haven't seen any of them for years, so... Yeah. That might be something fun to do. Well, when you say all of them, you mean the first Aliens movies, right? Not fucking Prometheus or the other bullshit. Yeah, I never saw that. And there's like Predator versus Alien and stuff like that, right? Yeah, I've never really been a... There is, there absolutely is. Uh, I've never... I've I've seen Predator, but I've not seen any of the other Predator... Uh, oh, I saw the most recent Predator movie, like it was a remake or not a remake, but you know, Predators come back kind of thing. Yeah. I, th- I think it's called The Predator or something like that. I, uh, yeah. But I never saw, I knew there was, uh, I know that aliens and predators live in the same universe. 
And I know there's an Alien versus Predator movie. Yep. But I've not seen it. I saw the one a couple of years ago, maybe almost three years ago, but now I forget, but uh, with Olivia Munn in it. Which one was that? I don't even remember. <laughs> but I saw it. I saw it in a theater too. Uh, I can't, I don't, I don't know what that would be. When I was traveling for work one time, I had a night off and I uh, went and saw that. Anyways, that's the last Predator related film I've seen. I haven't seen an alien movie in a long time, so might, might do that. Okay. This email comes from Bev in sunny, finally, Brixham, UK. Bev says, zombies and a Vegas heist make for a brilliant horror romp. Unfortunately, despite liking Zack Snyder films, I have issues with this one. Things just didn't fit together properly. He had an emotional death scenes. He had emotional death scenes that didn't move me and a declaration of love towards the main character from his female sidekick, which came out of nowhere. The reason I didn't care about any of the character arcs was because he spent so much time with slow motion action sequences to music that we never got to know anyone. And I just want to circle back and be like, if Zack Snyder did nothing but slow motion sequences to music, I think I'd watch that <laughs> and enjoy it more than this. Sure. <laughs> there you go. Finally, this one comes from Matt. Snyder movies are usually not for me, like Watchmen or his DC stuff, or better on a second viewing, like 300, but the real exception was Dawn of the Dead. As it turns out, I liked this movie on the first watch as well. There are definitely things that didn't get resolved, like the robot zombies, Vanderho never actually using his saw, or the interesting sounding idea that Rain would bring some shamblers back to life. Not enough to ruin a zombie action movie for me, though. Seeing Derek, Garrett Dillahunt as a smart asshole was fun as well. I'm not exactly sure why he stuck around after collecting the head or why he went outside after saying he was going to the roof, but it allowed the tiger to maul him, which was exciting. Speaking of the tiger uh, and zombie horse, both looked delightful. So indeed, zombie horse. Yeah. Matt says, P.S. I'm sorry they leafed in the first round. Uh, that is just a reference to the Toronto Maple Leafs who lost their playoff series earlier this week. Matt and I sometimes talk about hockey. He's a big yep. Colorado Avalanche fan. And uh, incidentally, Matt, they just look unstoppable at this point. So I'm expecting a Stanley Cup in in Colorado this year. And saying they leafed just kind of adds insult to injury? Uh, kind of, but we were emailing before this. And I said, I used that when I wrote to him, I said, I just expect them to leaf this or something like that at some point because they have had a tendency to uh, choke and lose series and games that they should win, but don't. So I turned it into a verb. They leafed it. How could that, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like it's been a long time uh, since they've really gone the distance in the, the, in the cup, like, you know, made it into the second round even. Yeah. It's been 17 uh, years since they've made it into the second round of the playoffs. It's been 50 four since they won the Stanley cup. And last time they did, there were only six teams in the league. Now there's 32. So it's just going to okay, get harder. So those, uh, okay. That's generations of leaf players, right? That's like many generations yeah. of leaf players. How can this kind of behavior be institutional? How can it not be particular to a group of individuals? 
that is the question, Jason, and, 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 and something I could talk about probably for a lot longer than we have here and, you know, a lot longer than people here could stomach, I am sure, but that is Is it genetic question. memory? Is it just, is it just something that, uh, you know, is it, is <laughs> there's, it superstition? There's is no, it, the players are superstitious? Like, okay, you know, the Leafs choke when the chips are down. So I would better not choke when the chips are down, which causes you to choke when the chips are down. Is it, is it just because as a developer, you know, when you go to deploy a significant change in code to a production server and somebody says, oh, this is easy, you're all fucked, right? Because <laughs> everybody just jumps down their throat and says, Duh, you shouldn't have said that. You have pissed off the internet gods and now this deployment's going to take 14 hours. And it always does mm-hmm. because developers are superstitious assholes and you just don't say shit like that during yeah. the deployment. <laughs> Is it that the problem that the Leafs are also, you know, deep down in their heart of hearts, superstitious? I could be part of it. It definitely, definitely could be part of it. I don't know. Maybe they're just taking on too much, a little bit like Zack Snyder did in this movie, Army of the Dead. Yeah. Or maybe they got cursed by somebody that they pissed off on a road game. They got Uh, cursed (laughs) by the zombie queen and her unborn fluorescent blue baby. I don't know. Couldn't happen. It could happen. Uh, anyhow, thank you, Matt. I am glad that you kind of dug this one. Um, but, you know, something Matt mentions is another failing of this film, this Vanderhoe character who uses this big, it's not a circular saw, but it's like a big circular saw. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a cement saw, right? right? It's meant to be, you know, cut sidewalks. It makes a big deal out of it at the beginning. Someone touches it and he's like, nobody touches my saw. And then does he ever use it later? Nope. <laughs> What's the point? I- I don't get it. Well, they used it to cut through a cement wall. You know, that's what it's meant for. Uh, You want to use it on the zombies. Sorry, somebody else used it to cut through a cement wall. Okay. Even (laughs) even more disappointing, really. Yeah. It seems like a really unwieldy kind of weapon to carry around with you on a quick and fast, uh, you know, raid heist. Oh, totally. Totally. It's heavy and... Where does he plug it in? I mean, I mean, I guess it's- Oh, yeah. Oh, it's gas-powered. It must be gas-powered. It's and like the Jaws of Life, right? They're not, uh, they're, it's not electrical. It's gas-powered, right? Sure, yeah. Okay. Pull them off the, uh, off the truck, and then they yank it, and it starts, and away you go, right? Because <laughs> they don't want to be fucking around with, oh, shit, we've got to plug this in someplace. Does anyone have an and, extension cord? <laughs> <laughs> we need an extension cord. Yeah. Uh, we've got to plug it into your dryer outlet. Uh, right. <laughs> so it, it it's takes a little a really, much to do. A really weird high-amperage circuit, like- they, they just yeah. never get around to using it. So, you know, gasoline, because, you know, one thing you have on the road when you need to extract somebody from a, a car wreck is gas. There's always going to be gas around somewhere. I guess so. It's true. All righty. Well, that is it. Thank you for you guys for writing in your thoughts on Army of the Dead. And thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, just before we go, if you would like to help support the podcast, that would be absolutely wonderful. You can do that by visiting uh, patreon.com slash the talking dead and becoming a patron there. Or if you'd like to just make a one-time contribution, talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal to do that. So um, those are two great ways to help the show. And if that's not up your alley, then just leave us a, a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever else you get podcasts. A review or a five-star rating would be fantastic. 
thank you so much to everyone who does that as well. So next time on the show, Jason, we are going to be back with more Fear the Walking Dead as season six wraps up. We've got two more episodes, so two more weeks. The next episode is number 15, and it is called USS Pennsylvania, which obviously is the name of the sub. So we're in the end game here. We're getting to the sub, and we're going to see how that all plays out and whether they can <laughs> blow the thing up. Okay, this movie has uh, fucked with my brain because my first thought was, yeah, that could be the name of the sub, but they'll probably mess with us and then not show the sub in the rest of the uh, the rest of the season. But I'm thinking of Army of the Dead, not The Walking Dead. Right. Because and, and frankly, I'm a little mad at Garrett Dillahunt right now, so I'm glad he's been killed off. <laughs> You're mad at him <laughs> for being I, in this film? I'm mad at him for being in this film. I'm mad at his character in this film. Uh, so I, I think I might, I'm glad, I'm part of me, not all of me is glad that he's been killed off in uh, Fear the Walking Dead because now I don't have to transfer that anger to the show, hmm. uh, for the next episode. So, you know, thank goodness for that. How quickly things change. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a little mad at him. I, I gotta admit. All right. I'm sure you'll get over it. He's still cool. I'm sure. He's still, he's still cool. All right. Well, that's USS Pennsylvania coming up uh, next time on Fear the Walking Dead. That'll air on Sunday night. And then we will be talking about it next Tuesday when we record a podcast about it. All right. Until then, everyone, if you would like to get in touch, please do so. Visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com and click on send voicemail at the top to send us a recorded message. You can also just record that on your smartphone if you want and send us the audio file. That is a great way to get pretty good quality usually. You can visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead or send email to talking dead podcast at gmail.com. Any more thoughts on Army of the Dead or of course Fear the Walking Dead as we get through the next week or two weeks while season six wraps up. All right. That is it for tonight, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.